Welcome to Smith Weekly Discussions, an occasional program for our readers and listeners of Smith Weekly Research. Please note this program is a private discussion and everything contained herein is for entertainment and educational purposes only. With that, we hope you're in a comfortable position, along with your favorite beverage, to enjoy the discussion. We remind our audience to examine the show notes attached to each of our shows to better understand how our program functions. Before we get into our discussion, we want to say thanks for questions coming from our audience at Smith Weekly, including Jackie A., Jared W., and Paul M. On the show today is Dan O'Flaherty, CEO of Mavericks Metals, a precious metals-focused royalty and streaming business that currently holds about 13 cash-flowing assets with 80 total royalties over 16 jurisdictions. The company is listed on the New York Stock Exchange under the symbol MMX and also on the Toronto Stock Exchange under the symbol MMX. Dan, thank you for joining the show. Good day, Andrew. Thank you for having me on. So, Dan, why don't you give us, uh, the audience, give us your background in this business and also tell us about the early conversations that took place that has now resulted in Mavericks Metals. Oh, certainly. Uh, well, I've spent my entire career in the mining sector. Uh, for the first 10 years, I worked in investment banking, working on mergers and acquisitions of uh, of mining companies. And, and during my time in the investment banking sector, we did a lot of work advising um, <clears throat> royalty and streaming transactions, including uh, wheat and precious metals when they were uh, formerly silver wheat. Uh, we did a lot of work in the advisory space. I, I got to know Jeff Burns at Pan American Silver. Uh, he spent 12 years as a CEO of Pan American Silver, and in 2015, uh, Jeff decided uh, it was time to, to try something different, and in his transition from uh, CEO uh, of Pan American Silver to the now CEO, Michael Steinman, Jeff realized that there was a, a number of royalties buried in the Pan American Silver portfolio that were getting no value in the market. Uh, so he went to the, the board of Pan American and the chairman, Ross Beattie, and suggested why not doesn't Pan American take these royalties, spin them out into a separate vehicle to daylight and surface some value? And when I stepped down as chairman of, or as CEO of Pan American Silver, I could steward Mavericks as, as chairman. And during that transition, Jeff called me, knowing that I had uh, a history of working on precious metals, uh, royalty and streaming transactions, and asked if I'd like to, to join him in, in getting that started and launched. And we uh, formally launched in uh, July of 2016. Yeah, that sounds great. Certainly interesting kind of the story there that flowed from it and, and how the, the company kind of got set up coming out of Pan American. So through your experience this far, Dan, what has really worked well in the royalty and streaming business and what has failed to work? Well, that's a great question. I think as, uh, as one of the newest entrants to the precious metal royalty sector, um, we, we've had the benefit of, of, you know, the entire history and looking to see what has worked and what hasn't worked. I think, you know, the, the biggest thing for what works is when it's mutually beneficial to both the, the royalty company as well as the underlying operator. I think that's where the best transactions are when it's, when it's real win-win, when the royalty and streaming company can provide financing. Uh, that unlocks value and potential at the underlying operation, whether it's through an expansion, whether it's through exploration, whether it's through construction, or whether it's simply through balance street strengthening um, for to to really provide working capital to that underlying operator. I think that's where uh, both companies benefit, and for the royalty company, you know, we get the benefit of that expanded and enhanced production from the operation. I think where things uh, have been challenged. Uh, I think there are a couple of avenues. One is when 
too much of the of the economics get taken by the royalty or streaming company, that uh, provides a disincentive for the underlying operator. So that's something we we actively look to avoid. Uh, the other the other big big item where where some of the companies can run into trouble is is really investing in in challenged assets where the technical due diligence is isn't there. And I think that's one of the the aspects that Mavericks has is a very strong technical uh, team to really uh, address and kind of assess those risks uh, on the underlying resource. Well, Dan, where are we today in the natural resource cycle with relation to gold, uh, other precious metals, and also perhaps base metals? What is your view over the next few years with regards to this market price and sentiment? Yeah, well, certainly I, uh, I'll start with gold. Uh, that's certainly what uh, I'm most familiar with and what Mavericks' absolute focus is. Um, you know, we've recently seen a run-up in the gold price from a roughly, you know, the $1,200 range to now the $1,500 range most recently. Uh, and with that run-up in the gold price, one thing that's different than, than past cycles is the gold equities haven't moved as rapidly or as quickly or as high as they did in previous gold price movements of, you know, call it $300 an ounce. So I think there's still uh, you know, a significant lift to come in both the gold price as well as in the equities. You know, one thing with the, with the gold equities as well is despite the gold price uh, now trading above $1,500, we haven't seen a lot of generalist money come into the sector. And I think that, you know, a couple of reasons for that. One is this, uh, the, the generalist sector um, you know, is doing very well. So until there's a, you know, a correction, a pretty substantial correction in kind of the Dow and the S&P, um, you know, a lot of generalist investors just haven't felt the need to, to rush back into gold. Uh, but what that is, is a huge opportunity because when those taps do get turned on and money does come rushing into the sector, I think you can see some pretty substantial moves in, uh, in the gold equities as well as the gold price. Any thoughts on, uh, and I know Mavericks has a little bit of exposure to things like silver and, and some base metals. Any thoughts there? Yeah, certainly. I mean, we like uh, very much silver as well. Uh, our portfolio right now is approximately 95% gold and silver. You know, I think silver will also uh, move with gold. Uh, it has already in terms of the price. I think it will continue to move. Silver can be much more more torquey or a little bit more volatile uh, on the, uh, than, than the gold, but I also see that as, as an upside. Uh, with respect to the base metals, you know, touch on copper a little bit. There's obviously a little bit of a short-term crunch on copper with the, you know, with the kind of the trade discussions between uh, China and, and the United States. But I think longer term, uh, I'm actually, I, I see a, a, you know, a real potential in copper, mostly with the respect to the uh, electric vehicle movement. A lot of talk gets, uh, gets made about, you know, nickel and cobalt, and, but really copper is a pretty substantial component of the electric vehicles. So I do think there could be some some movement in copper as well, and more in the longer term than the short term. I think in the short term, it'll continue to, to struggle uh, just with kind of the global tensions at the moment. Well, what needs to happen in the natural resource sector? And, you know, we'll just talk about precious metals a little bit here for that sector. What needs to happen in that whole sector going forward? What are the top concerns that you're seeing in the market that need to change and, and how might we get there? As a general comment, you know, I think most operators should be pretty happy with $1,500 gold. <laughs> Which yes. uh, and, you know, just looking at the chart today, trading at at fifteen ten, uh, we should uh, you know the, those operations should be making money and should be cash flowing and providing returns to shareholders at that gold price, and anything uh, beyond that is is I would say you know incre um, just additional upside. Yes, 
So how, how does, uh, I want to move on and let's, let's say, Dan, that uh, the bull market runs and we have a much higher gold price than where we are today. How does Maverick see handling the heights of a bull market cycle when prices are high and wasteful capital decides to come in and wasteful <laughs> decisions that are made in the sector that happens typically at the heights? Are you of the opinion that a creative deals are done with capital during the lows in price and sentiment? And how will Mavericks handle the situation when it occurs? Uh, I think that's a, one that's a great question. I think there's um, deals to be done in, in any price environment, but I think it's very important to be prudent. <laughs> and that's, you, you know, essentially, you know, not overpaying at the top of the market for the sake of growth. Um, in Mavericks' portfolio uh, right now, as it is, we've got 80 royalties, uh, 13 of which are cash flowing in much higher gold price environments. A number of those royalties that uh, we have assets on that aren't producing, they're going to be they're going to be developed. They're going to be constructed, and so we'll have uh, natural growth that way um, through through the spending of our underlying operators on their underlying assets for the benefit of their shareholders. We get that free option on new mine construction exploration. So we're not forced into doing uh, you know a crazy deal at the top of the market. So I think we'll be very uh, very prudent in terms of what we're looking at in uh, in higher gold price environments and and in lower gold price environments uh, you know there's a substantial amount of opportunities to to deploy capital because capital is not necessarily available for a lot of the underlying operators directly and that's where the royalty and streaming companies can provide a conduit to that capital so we've seen this business expand over the other natural resource sectors including things like oil and gas uh, base metals as we mentioned and also specialty metals Franco Nevada has recently kind of been an example here where they've expanded out a little bit. When you see significant value propositions in other metals, do you believe it is prudent to consider taking some other deals when the math is overwhelmingly in your favor? Uh, well, that's one. First of all, commend Franco Nevada. They've done a tremendous job uh, of kind of as an industry leader in the in the royalty and streaming sector. Um, you know, and they have the benefit of of that such an immense size where they have the benefit that where they can do other deals as long as the and particular specifically in the oil and gas sector where as long as they keep a row of 80 percent that's typical of the number they, they they say in precious metals that that's where they'd like to focus for mavericks as a growing vehicle uh, our focus is absolutely on precious metals to the extent that there is some sort of uh specialty metal where the math is overwhelmingly in our favor we'd have to take a, a look at it um but i can say we wouldn't want to, as I mentioned earlier, we're 95% gold and silver now. We wouldn't want to impact that too much. And our specialty in institutional knowledge um, and technical bench strength is all primarily in the in the precious and base metals as well. Right. And I think it makes sense to keep keep a huge, uh, quite a significant base in that sector. I think that's probably the place that really makes a lot of sense. Um, well, that's what our yeah, that's what our investors and our shareholders like. They like when we when we go marketing and we say we're we're above ninety percent gold and silver. That that gets received very well. So I think that's you know that's our target audience. So that's what <laughs> that's what we're going to continue to target. Right, and it's a good place to be. So let's let's talk a little bit more about Maverick specifically. What is your approach to value creation at the company, and how are you aligning your interests with that of the shareholders? Uh, in terms of aligning our interests with the shareholders, uh, I can say that management and the board and insiders own 11% of the company, uh, so it's very strong kind of insider ownership, so I would say we're, we're very heavily aligned. Um, the one thing that we've been able to do through growing our portfolio is we have a very diversified asset base. Uh, while we have you know, 13 
paying royalties, not a single asset, uh, you know, contributes more than 20%, uh, you know, of our cash flow. So we're very well diversified. And I think that's how we'd like to continue to grow the portfolio is precious metals uh, producing. Uh, and also in terms of where we're looking at assets, I can say that over 90% of our revenue comes from Canada, the United States, Australia, and Mexico. Uh, so we're very much focused on mining preferred geographies. I think that's what, uh, that's what our shareholders uh, like us doing, and that's what we like to do as well. So I'd say we, we, we're fairly heavily aligned in that sense. And tell us about uh, the key management team you have there and what process you go through when evaluating deals in the business. Kind of give us give us an idea what you guys look for, uh, how yeah. you seek out people or if they are knocking on your door and yeah. kind of tell us how the clients are sourced as well. Uh, certainly. Well, first of all, you know, uh, you know, a, a lot of credit is due to our, our chairman, Jeff Burns, um, you know, having spent. 12 years in the CEO role of Pan American Silver, one of the, uh, the world's leading silver producers. Um, he has developed quite a very uh, deep Rolodex, uh, which has been very helpful uh, as we've kind of grown the company um, from, from when we launched in July of 2016 to, to today. Um, I would say we have two very large shareholders, Pan American Silver at 26% and Newmont Gold Corp at 28%. Uh, it's been very beneficial to have that that brand endorsement from, from very large mining companies. Uh, we've also had many connections, potential uh, deal flow come through uh, our shareholders, uh, as well as our technical due diligence team. Uh, we have uh, two engineers with us internally, constantly evaluating projects, uh, as well as a, an investment banker that I work with at Scotia, who's, uh, who's very much looking out on the deal front and structuring there. So we have a very deep pipeline of, of M&A opportunities, and I can I would believe that this is the the busiest we've ever been since we've uh, since we've launched the company. Okay, and Dan, can you expand a little bit on what you guys are really looking for at this moment in the market? What what deals are are you seeing that you guys are going after? Is it stuff that's producing quickly, or what's what's the status on what you're focused on? Certainly, it's actually a very simple strategy. It's you know, precious metals, as I've mentioned. It's mining friendly jurisdictions. Uh, we're looking for assets that either producing or with a clear path to production. Uh, we're not looking at a lot of early stage exploration assets. So we do have that in our portfolio with the 80 royalties that we already have. Uh, we're looking for long mine lives and uh, experienced operators. Um, and I think one of the, the most recent deals that we've done is a, is a great example of this. Uh, we invested $40 million uh, to expand our 1% NSR on, Hope Bay, on the TMAX Hope Bay. Um, mine, uh, we expanded that from 1% to 2.5%, and this is an asset that has a 20-year mine life. It's a world-class gold camp. It's in Canada. Uh, it's it's already producing. It's ramping up. So this is uh, an asset that we very much like. It, it absolutely fits uh, the profile of what we're looking for: producing gold in Canada, very long mine life, uh, and that's something that's going to be uh, a part of Mavericks for for decades to come. And can you kind of speak to the size? Are you looking at kind of the similar deals that you've done in the past, or can investors expect something bigger? What, kind of speak to the capital size you're looking at, and if you're looking to do it in a in a leveraged way to for faster growth, or how to, how is that approached? Well, that's actually uh, one of the the ways we've been able to grow the company. Is essentially right now we're the only precious metals royalty company between a market cap of around. 200 million and, and 1.2 billion. Uh, is, is, so we're the we're the only only precious metal royalty company in that sector or in that size range. So we've been able to to target 
royalties that are very meaningful to Mavericks, but don't necessarily move the needle for the larger uh, players in the space. Uh, so I'd say, you know, in the in the thirty to fifty million dollar range is is really kind of uh, the the core strike zone of what we're looking at. We're looking at some that are larger, some that are smaller, but that really that's kind of the the sweet spot of acquisitions that that we're focused on at the moment. Okay, yeah, that that sounds good, Dan. And and I want to talk just for a moment. I want to ask you a little bit about. Uh, Maybe when you look at the sector um, and you look at the the Francos, the Wheatons, the Royals, uh, the Asicos, uh, more closer to you, the Sandstorm, uh, and yeah. then some underneath you, like the Metalla Royalty, has also gotten a little yeah. bit of attention. Uh, yeah. Speak speak to maybe a competitive advantage that you guys really have, and why investors need to look at Mavericks as really one of the cornerstone royalty companies to look at. No, that's a uh, that's a great question, and. You know, I, I, again, I'd like to uh, you know commend um, you know Franco and, and Wheaton Presses and, and Royal Gold, and you know obviously Cisco Sandstorm Metal. I think uh, you know the, the sector has been doing very good transactions. Um, you know, I think we uh, where we are as Mavericks, as I mentioned, we're we're in that kind of unique size range between a Metalla and between Sandstorm, where you know we have a significant amount of scale in terms of 80 royalties, 13 of which are paying. We are cash flowing pretty meaningfully. But we haven't uh, haven't been built our capital markets profile as much as the, the larger uh, players. And what I mean by that is, you know, we've historically had very low liquidity, uh, which is, in my opinion, had us trading at a discount. To address that, we just listed on the New York Stock Exchange American, as you mentioned at the at the introduction on the uh, under the ticker MMX. So we've got the New York Stock Exchange listing. We're continuing to grow our liquidity. Uh, I think we have a number of steps ahead of us that are that are pretty exciting. Dividends are a sector are a staple in the royalty sector. We haven't had that yet. I think that's something we'll strongly look at. We're continuing to increase our research analyst coverage. We're continuing to build the portfolio, uh, and we're continuing to build that liquidity. Our liquidity is up pretty substantially since listing on the New York Stock Exchange, uh, and I think we're continuing to grow. And as we continue to grow that liquidity. And put another uh, dividend, or put a dividend in place, and, and grow the portfolio. We'll ultimately get to the size where uh, we'll be able to be included on one of the indices, whether it's GDXJ uh, or whatnot. And that is essentially forced buying. Uh, so what's exciting for us is, is these steps uh, are all in front of us. <laughs> you know, the companies like Franco Nevada, they're already, you know, very highly liquid on the New York Stock Exchange with uh, a tremendous amount of, of access to capital and coverage and industry inclusion for, for Mavericks. You know, each one of these steps is, uh, is in front of us, and that's incremental. And I think each one of those steps will kind of unlock value as we grow the company. Okay. And, yeah, we uh, – I believe we were – Mavericks has been in the this, this Smith Weekly portfolio uh, – I think since I, I, not very far, maybe a few months after you guys listed. Um, oh, well, so thank you. Congratulations. It's probably been a positive ride. Yes, yes. From the TSXV all the way up. So it's it's been a it's been an interesting experience. And when when you guys continue to bring in the capital and the decision about paying dividends comes, or maybe the stock price is undervalued. How are you guys going to look at that? Are you going to look at basically retaining retaining the leverage, getting rid of maybe some of the debt, uh, paying dividends, or maybe buy back shares? Is that kind of all on the table? How do you look at that? Well, I think everything's on the table, uh, depending on you know what we're doing internally as well as what the market's doing. Uh, I think as just as 
as I'll make a number of, of high-level comments. One is we have a tremendous amount of opportunities that we're looking at. Uh, so in terms of deploying capital, uh, we have opportunities to deploy capital, and ultimately our shareholders first and foremost want us to deploy capital to continue to grow our portfolio. With that being said, you know, generally I do believe in, in returning capital shareholders at some point, uh, and I, you know, I do mention that, that dividends are a staple of the royalty sector. So at the appropriate time, I think we would like to consider a modest dividend uh, while still retaining the vast majority of our cash flow to deploy into, uh, into growth. Um, from a debt perspective, um, you know, I, I, there's always, we, we currently have a, a U.S. $75 million credit facility with CIBC and NBF. Um, I would say that it's nice to have access to debt. Uh, I wouldn't want to over-lever the company at any point. Um, you know, I think we have opportunities to, to, to grow through our, our cash flow without, uh, without get, putting too much debt into the situation. And Dan, can you share any major milestones that you see coming down the pipe for the company uh, over the next two years? What's a big asset that might be coming on for paying over the next two years? And uh, can you share some little bit of insights there on the projects that are key coming down? I think uh, we've had significant growth uh, in, in the past couple of years. Uh, in two, 2017, we had uh, gold equivalent ounce production, GEOs to Mavericks' account of 12,000 ounces in 2017. 21,000 ounces in 2018. We're going to exceed that uh, here in 2019. And we've got a number of royalties on assets that are currently in, in ramp-up mode, uh, including the Beta Hunt mine in, in Australia, Silvertip in, in Canada, Moss in uh, the United States, as well as Hope Bay in Canada. So we'll see a number of, of incremental growth through those already producing operations. On the capital markets profile as well, um, I think uh, with this New York stock exchange listing, we're going to continue to, to drive our liquidity. Uh, I think, uh, you know, this time next year, I'd like to be talking about, you know, uh, having a dividend in place, being uh, starting to be included on indices, uh, GDXJ, for example, uh, increase the portfolio. I hope, we've, I hope this time next year we'll have done, you know, at least one or two more M&A acquisitions into the portfolio. So I think that's the, that's the, the path that we're currently on right now. When do you see the company getting to, with the current schedule, you have a good idea here. Um, yeah. When are we going to get to that 100,000 gold equivalent ounces, uh, maybe in the next two years? Oh, that's, uh, uh, that's, that's a pretty lofty, lofty target. <laughs> uh, I mean, this year, I, I think, uh, you know, we have guidance up to 24,500 ounces this year. Um, I think it'll take a... Take some construction of some of the the uh, the projects that we have in our portfolio. Uh, the royalties on that is, as well as uh, some M&A acquisitions to get there. But you know, 100,000 uh, is uh, is a, it's a pretty high high target. I think we're we're focused more on uh, you know steady growth at the moment. Okay. No, I just wanted to kind of get a feel for how how aggressive it, it could potentially be there, and um, you know, just kind of with the uh, the group there and and some of the associations with uh, with Ross Beatty and and some of the work he's doing with uh, Equinox and some of the other businesses out there. Uh, it's just just always wanted to twist your arm a little bit and find out what you got. Um, <laughs> no, so, I, I certainly like you know I'd, uh, I'd like to grow. Uh, it's, it's a matter about growing responsibly and accretively. Um, right. You know, in terms of 
per, you know, we're more focused on per uh, share value uh, for our shareholders and just kind of market cap. So I think that's uh, that's our, absolutely our focus. But you know, Ross is doing great things over at, at Equinox as well, and I think there's going to be a lot of activity in the sector, uh, both in the royalty sector and in the general sector, um, particularly out of these mega mergers. Um, you know, with Barrick and Rand Gold and Newmont and Gold Corp. I think we'll see some assets come out. So it's going to be very interesting to see where they where they all go. Right, and and absolutely, and I I know that Equinox has uh, Newcastle is going to come down the pipe here shortly, and then maybe an ex- expansion at uh, Arizona, and so there's always always some capital needs there. So if if Hope Bay and and these these projects go on time, Dan, can you I, you you already know because you have the models in front of you, you have the information, but if these things come online on time, how does how does that affect your current you know twenty five thousand ish uh, gold equivalent? Windows yeah. yeah, and and Hope A is producing. It's going to do about 160,000 ounces this year. I think our long-term forecast is north of 185,000 ounces. So it's it's more just ramping up production at, at that specific asset. But uh, as I mentioned earlier, you have guidance up to 24,500 ounces this year in 2019. We haven't given formal guidance uh, for 2020. My expectation is probably, without having looked, I don't have the model in front of me, but it's probably in the 30,000 ounce range uh, and then higher in 2021 beyond that. And that's without any further acquisitions, which, uh, you know, I, I would hope that we can actually add to that uh, through, uh, through M&A. Absolutely. So, Dan, what is the end goal at Mavericks? Is it to be a long-term standalone royalty and streaming business, or do you see that the Royal Franco Wheatons of the world will look to roll up some of the juniors during the heights of this cycle? Oh, that's a great question. I mean, first and foremost, our uh, our focus is on growing uh, the vehicle. As a you know, we see lots of opportunities to grow. Where we've had a track record of growth, I, I see future growth. Uh, with that being said, consolidation is very natural uh, in the royalty sector. Uh, we've seen in past cycles uh, a number of uh, of royalty companies get acquired, whether it's Silverstone, Gold Wheaton, IRC, uh, Premier, uh, you know, you've seen a lot of names that have been uh, consolidated into the larger guys. So I think um, absolutely that's a potential outcome. You know, we certainly don't have a, a for sale sign out on the yard. Um, right now we're, we're just growing the business, and, uh, but I do see a potential for consolidation in general in the royalty base. Right, and we yeah, we saw Ross do that uh, last cycle with uh, Lumina, where they spun out some some different copper royalties and different royalties out of out of that company as a separate business. Um, Dan, for potential investors and and the audience listening, why should they be looking hard at Mavericks Metals today? Uh, I think it's twofold. One is uh, the royalty uh, sector in general is a, is an excellent place for investors to to get high quality exposure to uh, to the commodity prices with. Uh, a much more diversified uh, platform. Uh, you know, right now we have uh, our revenue for this year should be around $40 million Canadian. We've got operating margins of approximately 90%. Uh, so it's uh, it's a very high margin business, but also with the significant upside to gold. And, and where that upside comes from is all the royalties that we have uh, on assets that are in our portfolio that aren't producing yet, that in rising gold price environments are going to be built. And that gives investors significant torque with the downside protection. 
uh, of a diversified asset base and high margin business. In terms of Mavericks specifically, I think we're in a, in a very uh, great position. You know, we've got a number of steps just in front of us that I think are going to unlock value. We've just listed on the New York Stock Exchange. We've got an ability to to really continue to do deals that are meaningful and move the needle for Mavericks that don't necessarily you know, move the needle for the larger guys. And there's steps that we can take to build that liquidity, get included on index, get a dividend out there. And each one of these, I think, will, will really incrementally unlock value. So we can do transactions that really increase our per share value, but also get that uh, you know, torque on the multiple expansion by expanding our multiple. Yeah, that sounds great, and, and I agree, and we, we share a, a similar view. Um, I, I thought of another question here for you. Uh, when with you with you guys doing these deals, tell me about the the downside when it comes to potential problems with construction and and these potential defaults on certain things when things just don't work out. Can you can you kind of speak to what position does Maverick seek? In a, in a situation where you have an issue with an operator and a project's just not going according to plan, what, what kind of position do you seek there as far as the teeth of kind of the downside? How do you protect the downside on your deals? Yeah. Well, I think uh, that is an excellent question. The first thing that we do, and this is taking a step back, is uh, incredible due diligence on the front end. And that means that we try not to get into deals <laughs> that, that we think are obviously going to fall apart. Um, you know, in terms of the due diligence and doing that, uh, I guess, risk mitigation on the front end, the, the most important aspect is the resource, is, is what is in the ground and is it there um, and can it be mined profitably? So I think doing that due diligence on the front end uh, really protects you uh, on the back end. I think it's... Uh, a, don't remember the expression is that uh, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure in terms of uh, doing due diligence uh, on your transactions. With that being said, uh, for the, the protection, and this is kind of uh, for most royalty and streaming companies, uh, streams, they do have to come with security on the asset typically, and royalties are generally registered on title, so they go with the land in the event of a bankruptcy. Right. Absolutely. No, you got to have got to have some teeth there. And I think you covered it quite well, because essentially I wouldn't I won't speak for all of the royalty and streaming companies, but there are a select few who really do have a good technical team and do amazing due diligence to where even your retail investors can follow the royalty companies and get a good idea of what is really solid out there in the market as far as you can look at what you guys are doing for deals and they can make decisions. And so I think that's key as well. Uh, so Dan, wrapping up here, uh, how can potential investors uh, reach out to the company uh, to learn more about the company and also perhaps contact you or the investor relations team? Uh, certainly, well, our website is www.mavericksmetals.com, M-A-V-E-R-I-X, uh, metals, M-E-T-A-L-S.com. Uh, so happy to visit us there. We do have a contact us. Uh, alternatively, uh, the info at mavericksmetals.com email address. Uh, welcome all questions. Uh, you know, happy, always happy to engage with uh, with shareholders. Well, Dan, thank you for the insights and thanks for taking the time with us today. Good luck over at Mavericks. Andrew, thank you for having me on and uh, appreciate uh, the audience listening.